Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodies, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you, foodies? We got a good one for you today, a fun one, a long one. Just look at that time code. I sit down with my friend, Christian Larson, a.k.a. Captain Good Times, and we get into this movie, and that movie is Hamburger, the motion picture. Oh boy, this film, this film. There's a lot to say about this film, and that's why it's a long podcast. So we talk food in general, we talk this movie, we talk some food scenes, and of course, gut instincts. And it's just always fun talking with Larson, and so I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So here we go, me and Captain Good Times. Alright, Larson, thank you so much for coming on Foodie Films. This has been, I feel like... I said it like a while ago, and, and I, I'm finally having you on, so thank you for being here. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Uh, you know, we, we discussed uh, the substitute on uh, Brian Rodriguez's podcast, um, but I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, you know, of course, all the podcasts on the Cage Club Network, but, uh, you know, big fan of Foodie Films, and it's, uh, it's an honor to be uh, finally on. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, glad to have you on. Uh, we're going to talk a ridiculous movie today, but first, as I normally do with my guests, we're just going to talk some food in general. So just growing up, what were you eating, who was cooking, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, sure. So uh, at a pretty young age, we moved in, uh, my, my mom and myself and my brother, we moved in with my grandparents. And my okay. grandmother... Uh, always cooked, uh, always cooked dinner and she always cooked these, these staples, sort of like these, you know, pork chops and applesauce, mm-hmm. uh, London broil. Very um, Brady Bunch type dinners, right? Like, yeah. Like, even like, I think Peter Brady would always go pork chops and applesauce. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, she, she made a great meatloaf. Um, I remember her telling me, uh, you know, I went so I was so used to her meatloaf, and mm. I I went somewhere else and had meatloaf, and it was completely different. And I remember thinking, like, I I felt ripped off. <laughs> uh, and then, but you know, I I learned later that meatloaf is a is a highly customizable dish. 
Yeah, um, did hers have the ketchup glaze on the top of it? Did it didn't. Uh, no? she, oh, okay. Oh, there we yeah, go. There's a difference I, between our families right there. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, you can you can make it any way you want. Um, I was I was a very picky eater when I was a kid, and I didn't like chunks of things in uh, other things. Gotcha. So you know, a lot of a lot of meatloafs will have like onions or or you know other sort of uh, ingredients in there. And and my grandmother's was very uniform. Uh, the the flavoring in it was mostly in in powder and liquid uh, forms, so so as not to uh, weird me out because I was very <laughs> particular about having chunks and things. I I can I I can sympathize with that. I was I wasn't necessarily a picky eater, but yeah, like an earlier age, like textures can be just so weird, and like sure. when you're learning about foods and just different types of foods that can be it's can be that over the taste sometimes oh yeah absolutely well I, also um you know speaking of taste i have a really good food story from when i was a a very young kid i must have been like five or six and i came home one day and there was a brown a dark brown loaf of bread uh on the kitchen counter and my immediate thought was oh my god chocolate bread <laughs> like the, how did I not think of this? I'm yeah. going to have I'm going to have peanut butter sandwiches on chocolate bread every day for the rest of my life, and I I tore open the bag, and I took a bite, and it was pumpernickel. Oh boy, um, which you know not particularly a a bad taste, but no, if, yeah, I love pumpernickel you know, bread. But if you're expecting chocolate bread, yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> on the spectrum. You have chocolate on one end and and pumpernickel way on the other. Um, so to this day, even the even the scent of pumpernickel bread takes me back to my parents' kitchen uh, when I was a little boy and being horribly, horribly disappointed. I have a very similar story in that I was about I was five, I think, maybe maybe like four going on five, and my aunt and uncle. Uh, it was the, it was their wedding and and I saw a bowl in which I was like ooh bowl of grapes and I reached in and I put what I was expecting to be a delicious like purple grape in my mouth and I chewed down on it and it was an olive and that oh. screwed me from like eating olives for <laughs> I still don't eat black olives because yeah, also yeah. I had like one of my aunts like. A different aunt, like a boyfriend of hers, always referred to him as dog noses, which always weirded me <laughs> oh. out. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I still not a big black olive uh, mm-hmm. person, but as far as, but then, like, when I was in uh, Spain, they just have them on the bar, like, we have, like, peanuts and stuff like that. Oh, here. yeah. And I was and I was hungry and traveling. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll eat some olives. I'm like, whoa, these olives are good. And so then there started my love of at least green olives again. But uh, Sure. I mean, yeah, I, so I, I can sympathize with the pumpernickel. Yes. That, that must have been traumatizing. <laughs> I, I, I feel like eating olives, uh, you know, in, in a Mediterranean country is sort of like, you know, when you're in college and you drink absolute swill booze. <laughs> and, and then, like, years later, you go to a bar and you have, like, a scotch on the rocks. And you're like, oh, yeah. my God, I never thought it could taste like this. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're uh, just seems to be like you're eating like staple dishes. I was eating like that was always meatloaf, like pot roast, uh, just like your basic chicken dishes. Like that's what I grew up eating for the most part, too. Just like 
what I would describe as like white suburban food. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> you know, right. I, I guess it was when my <laughs> when my grandmother was feeling particularly exotic, she would make her Swedish meatballs. Ah, um, you know, you which go. was which meatballs. was made yeah. in a. Uh, she made them in a in a sauce. Actually, I don't know if they were Swedish meatballs, but she would make them in sort of a tangy sauce that uh-huh. she added Coca Cola to. Um, oh boy! And uh, I remember when I found that out, it kind of made me question everything. Like <laughs> using Coca Cola to make meatballs—what kind of world am I living in? Um, but yeah, that was about as exotic as it got. We were very, very white bread. <laughs> yeah for me exotic like i mean we would we would order chinese growing up but i really didn't like i need like sushi growing up or anything like that but i guess it was also because if you just stayed in the towns because i mean you're you're a bergen county man yourself oh yeah uh and so then that's that's where i you know where i I grew up in bergen county and Mm -hmm. and, in, in new jersey as well and if you stayed around those towns there just wasn't as many options as there are even, you know, even there now, yet alone, I feel like more people will drive 15, 20, 30 minutes to go maybe where I am now to Jersey city and go out for dinner or even go, go into the city that much more. It's not as much of an event as it used to be. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, going out to dinner usually meant going to a pizzeria that had tables inside. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, every now and then uh, you might go to Rutt's Hut. I don't know if you're familiar with Rutt's Hut. Oh, yeah. You I was, I was yeah. just, yeah, yeah. Uh, great you know, place. That was a big night out. Yeah. That was, that was, that's a hot dog staple. I, I, um, I haven't been there in a while. I mean, you know, pandemic and all. But, uh, but uh, I, you know, I don't know if it was the last time I went there. But Passaic County's first uh, brewery opened up, and they're right across the street. It's called Ghost Talk Brewery, and so I remember like the, the last time I truly remember going there was like last year when Ghost Talk opened up. Because I'm like, oh, this is great! You got a brewery across the street, and you got one of the best hot dogs in the area right there. So yeah, my awesome. my parents like every time they have like a a milestone birthday, either one of them. A, Every five years, they rent out the back room at Rutt's Hut, and they invite everyone. Oh, wow. And we have a big party in the back room of Rutt's Hut, um, and it's always a lot of fun. And the one thing I noticed, um, my my grandparents grew up in Hoboken, and there used to be a luncheonette on the main drag on, I believe it's Washington Street. Washington. uh, Mm -hmm. Called Schnackenberg's. Um, yeah, that closed just last year, and it closed down. And and the reason it closed down, and and there was there was a a very similar place, uh, in my wife's hometown in Carmel, New York. I forget the name of it, but it closed down recently. And the reason why is that people don't really go out for hamburgers and hot dogs and tuna melts anymore. You know that. It, and and when I went to Rutt's Hut the last time. There was pretty much not a single person in there under the age of fifty, and uh, yeah, yeah. That, well, I mean, that place is huge. First of all, oh, it is. Like, that is a big place. So as far as their like dine-in area, like yeah, I, when I've been there in recent times, there's not a lot of people in there. I feel like it's still a popular 
lunch spot or even like you know because it's a hot dog and it's a quick bite but no one feels like they have to sit down for that kind of food anymore right yeah i mean uh, you know i i think that going out for a meal is definitely taking a big downturn with the advent of being able to get pretty much anything you want food or otherwise delivered to your house um oh yeah that too for sure but but also so tastes are changing you know hoboken is now full of young families in their 30s and they don't really want to go out for a tuna melt they want to go out for you know uh, uh, sushi or something like that yeah so the place that replaced uh oh god you said you pronounced it correct before schnackenbergs <laughs> yeah i was always like schnitzelgruben like <laughs> my girlfriend loved going to it and then when it closed i was like you didn't go schnitzelgrubens enough but uh <laughs> the place the place that replaced it now is called alfalfa and so it's like you know healthier yeah. option food which that is tells just... you everything exactly you know. yeah exactly that is that is what hoboken is now that is what a majority of you know from generation X definitely to millennials, definitely now to generation Z is looking for. And, uh, but you know, but yeah, but it's sad because it was just a cool kind of slice of Americana and like a very specific time. And I don't want all the, I understand that like, you know, things have to change, but at the same time, you don't want to lose all of that, I think. Sure. I and mean, I'd, it, and, I'd, and, I, and I'd rather that than like Johnny Rockets or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I mean, when you go into Rutt's Hut, you can tell the decor has not changed since, you know, 1971. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That one, like the bigger side uh, where you get to sit down, like it's yeah. dark in there and yeah. just like the big wood tables and just like, you know, always like that vibrant, like red leather and all the, that yep, kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, definitely I mean, an you... aesthetic that you don't see uh, no, anymore. Yeah. I mean, you must have also seen a lot change when you were living in Brooklyn. I mean, uh, that's something that I, I'm, I don't, I don't think we've ever really talked about a lot. I know we've talked about your time as uh, a karaoke host and Captain <laughs> Good Times that everyone, sh- that everyone should be made aware of. Oh, Jesus. Uh, well, and- <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know. And, and long story short, and I know it was brought up the last time that uh, I, I, when I was up in Peekskill and uh, visited your place. And, uh, but just when Brian and I were out in Brooklyn one time, I'm like, I saw a poster. And what was the name of that bar that ended up oh, changing? Oh, The Cove in Williamsburg. The Cove. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just an example of change right there. But I just, you know, but seeing that poster, I'm like, I went to college with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but you were just, you moved to, I mean, to Brooklyn when it was in that transit, like right before and then through the whole transition period, I feel like, right? Yeah. Well, I, I spent pretty much exactly 10 years there. I moved there in 2009. Um, and I just, I had to keep progressively moving a few stops down the L line, uh, just because the wave of gentrification, which started in Williamsburg, which is right across the river from Manhattan, you know, Williamsburg was sort of Hoboken on the other side of Manhattan. Um, and I, I had to keep moving further inland and my neighborhood would be you know, your food options were a taqueria and a bodega. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then you always knew when change was coming, when an organic market would open up. (laughs) And then 
you know, and every now and then some adventurous restaurateur would come out and open up their place in like an abandoned industrial area. You know, I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> Anthony Bourdain uh, has has visited several of them. Um, but yeah, we by the time we left, uh, the last remaining neighborhood that that hadn't happened to, uh, which was deep Bushwick that we were living in, it started to have a lot of really trendy places. And, you know, it, it was changing so quickly. And it, it yeah. was it was weird. Like, you know, I live in Peekskill, New York now, and there are a lot of great restaurants, uh, so many great bars and restaurants that I can't wait to go out to and enjoy in, in a regular way uh, mm-hmm. pretty soon. Uh, but in but in Bushwick, everything was so the divide was so stark. You know, you would you would have this very trendy restaurant on a block surrounded by businesses that had been there forever. And and the people yeah. who went to the trendy restaurants didn't go to the other businesses. It was it was very divided. And and I, I didn't like that part about it at all. Um, yeah, and you start losing that community vibe. Exactly. I'm exactly. sure up in Peekskill there is more of that, and even in Jersey City where I am, there still is more of that. But you can see it getting lost via gentrification and just like people not, you know, definitely during the pandemic, you know, hashtags galore, support local. But you know, you can you can say that, but does that mean you your one favorite spot? You know, that's like great to get. And I'm guilty, obviously, of. Uh, quote unquote, feeding the phone and taking pictures of my food, or are you going to the place that's just like, you know, that's been a staple in the neighborhood for a long time because they're just good and they're, and and they're there and you want to support them. Yeah. I mean, the real thing is like when you open a business in a a sort of gentrifying neighborhood, um, you're, you're kind of seen as an outsider um, and, and a lot of people will immediately want to cater to the, the transplants because they're the ones with the money. They're not yeah. going to, they're not going to cater to the family that's lived here for four generations. Um, and, and that creates this sort of like, you know, every third business on this block is one that caters specifically to the, the transplants and, you know, it, it's it's a very, you know, as as someone whose dream it is to open, a, you know, a bar of their own, that's a question that comes up a lot is like when you move somewhere because you can get a really great deal on real estate or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to be seen as an outsider, uh, but there's not a lot of ways around it. It's it's a tricky situation, and and that that was the vibe in in Bushwick uh, for a while, because especially because it was changing so quickly. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely tough, especially if you're thinking of opening up a business. Like, am I going to create something that's all inclusive, which is always just nearly impossible, especially when it comes to food and drink, because everyone has their own taste and their sure. own preference. But you know, there definitely are things to do. I know when you're when we've talked about like what what you want to do and just saying, and I feel like more there's even bars by me that I see that's just like, yeah, let's not have 
Budweiser and Stella and Guinness on tap anymore. Let's get the local stuff in and get like there's enough breweries now. But at the same time, me saying that like is kind of commenting on a different generation where they enjoyed having their, you know, their Budweiser and just like those beers that like when we were growing up, we thought like that's what beer was. Yeah. And all of a sudden things things started changing and we had this booming, uh, you know, craft craft beer scene just like i mean and uh how we shared some peakskill brewery uh when i when i when i visited you that's a, that's a, I, I love going into the hudson valley and they just have so many uh breweries and the last time i saw you before that was when you came and you saw brian and i at yonkers brewing and that was uh, you know a fun time and uh so yeah it's just it's a weird situation when you go like into a neighborhood and yeah, you don't want to be an outsider, but it's like, well, do I start supporting like other local places that I see, whether it's an, you know, like most of the time I feel like it's more of an age thing. Like, oh, that's the young person's bar or whatever. Yeah. Or, yeah. or you're going to go to a place like, uh, uh, oh God, what is it? Is it, is it, is it Nighthawk? No, that's a, that's not what it is. Nighthawk, the theater is with it, the, yeah, the theater. Yeah. With the, you know, they've got yeah, the bar yeah, in yeah, front. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It is Nighthawk. <laughs> Uh, that's also the movie with Stallone and Billy D. Williams, right? It is Fox. indeed. Yes. Okay. Yes. okay. That's what I was like. And I recently watched that. And oh, so man. it was just, yeah. Uh, so I was like, am I saying the wrong thing? But like, that's like, I feel like that's kind of the best of both worlds. Cause you have a, you could go in there and you have a bar out front. And I mean, I know videology was like that too. Uh, but then you go into the back and you can, and you can watch, you know, like a movie with people and enjoy your beer back there if you want. So yeah, that's kind I, of like, you know. I mean, th- that's the biggest difference about living up here is that sense of community. Like everyone felt it, it's so much easier to feel isolated in New York City um, because there's so many people around you. Um, and and up here, you know, it's I, I have been I've only been living here three months and it's shocking to me that I can go into a bar or a restaurant and they know my name and the, the regulars are there and the locals wave and say hi to you on the street. And it's like, <laughs> at first it really kind of put me off, but <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that yeah. sense of community was something, you know, that, that I had really been looking for for a long time and it's, it's nice to find it. Well, that's great. That's I'm I'm happy that you feel it because I'm someone I, I I like you know I mean so if you're if we're walking outside and we're wearing masks, it's hard to see if someone's smiling well, back sure. at you. Well, sure, yeah. But yeah. uh, but no, but I do enjoy. I like that sense of just you know, quick little pleasantries. Yeah, like sure, like I don't want to stop and like hear about every person's day, but at the same time, I like I like being able to wave to people and being like, oh hey Joe, how's it going? Oh good, okay good good. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I mean, quick there, little things like that. There was a guy. You know, I was walking down the street and this guy stopped to talk to me and immediately I was like, oh, my God, he's going to ask me for money or he's going <laughs> to start rambling about something crazy. And mm-hmm. I just I'm going to keep my head down and keep walking. And all he wanted to do was say hello. I mean, he was a little eccentric, but he was like, hey, man, it's a beautiful day. Like any day that you wake up in the morning is a beautiful day. Am I right? And I was like. <laughs> yeah, you are right. <laughs> it was it was such a pleasant surprise, and now I see him all around town, and I uh, you know give him a high five when I see him. So it's cool. Well, I hinted at it before. We've got a movie that I really want to deep dive into. Oh sure. And that movie 
is Hamburger, the motion picture. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Well, Whoa. you you asked me, and and I was I was very excited uh, to have you formally ask me to be on the podcast. But you asked me if there was a a B movie that I could recommend. Um, yes. Well, that, let's yeah. Let's quick be, before oh, getting into this specific you're, movie. You're the yeah, host. Let's, let's, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. No. 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 You're good. <laughs> I want. I just want to. I just want to say like because it hasn't been brought up yet. Like yeah. I feel like you are just such. I mean, I'll call you an expert. Definitely a lover of the genre. Correct me if I'm wrong. And just like that, you know, those kind of films, and just between your extensive movie specifically VHS collection, I was just like, you know, I'll talk any movie with you because I truly love just talking movies with you. But just the, like the B movie genre, I'm like, if you know of one, let's talk it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's different kinds of B movies. You know, there's the action B movie, the mm-hmm. sci-fi B movie, the horror B movie, and this is a very specific genre. And Brian and I discussed a movie recently on his podcast called Gimme an F, uh, which was a like a cheerleading camp movie. Okay. Uh, and it was shown on this show called USA Up All Night. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No, I'm not. So in the late 80s and early 90s, after 11 p.m. on the USA Network, which was one of the first big staple cable networks... Um, there would be a show called USA Up All Night, and it had a host. Uh, on Friday nights, it was Gilbert Gottfried, and on Saturday nights, <laughs> it was uh, Scream Queen uh, Rhonda Shear. And oh, wow. it, it was a double feature, and they would show all kinds of B-movies. Uh, but as, as like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, the, my favorite ones were the sleazy ones. <laughs> of course, of course, all the sleaze was tastefully and awkwardly edited out, but um, it, it, some of them were just so like they had the they had the production value of a porno movie, um, and and it oftentimes the the sleaziness was sort of a bait and switch. Um, mm-hmm. like Gimme an F actually turned out to be a, a really good movie about the sport of cheerleading, uh, with a few raunchy moments kind of shoehorned in, shoehorned in. Um, but there was some real sleaze. There was some real raunchy stuff <laughs> and hamburger, the movie, uh, yeah, where does it fall on that spectrum? Oh, way at the bottom, uh, of the sleaze. <laughs> scale way at the bottom and i'm sure we'll get i'm sure we'll get into all the reasons why but um i remember seeing the the poster for it uh in my in my childhood video store um Mm -hmm. and it was i think it was like a big hamburger and there were cartoons of like scantily clad women and men chasing them around it and exactly. I, uh, very, very police academy. Police, like, I mean, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And I, I knew nothing about it, and I had never even seen it, even on USA Up All Night. In fact, I think if USA Up All Night had to edit out all the raunch, they, it would have lasted 20 <laughs> minutes. Um, but <laughs> when you asked me to recommend a B-movie that had a, a food theme... It yeah, was it was the first movie, yeah. place my mind went, if only for the title. 
I knew I didn't know <laughs> anything about what it was about. There is actually a movie called Hot Dog the Movie. Uh, that's a very similar raunchy B movie, but it's about skiing. Okay. So it's not about literal hot dogs. I was pretty sure that hamburgers featured in the plot of this one and they, they really do. (laughs) 100%. As as well as, as well as many other, uh, fast food items. And, and I know that sometimes, you know, you're you're up to a lot of episodes now, and and sometimes you really have to search for the food moments in in a film <laughs> you're covering, uh, you know, just to to justify the title. And and that's not a criticism because I can listen to you talk about movies all day. Um, but I was afraid that that hamburgers would be uh, very tangential to this movie, but they end up being. Uh, a big part of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, this movie ends up being about kind of like this insane, almost cult-level uh, hamburger franchise. And it's pretty... This movie this movie is crazy and like so I'm happy that you said that like on that spectrum it's at the it's at the bottom cuz you know just in in the world that we live in now and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it but just being you know trying to be more PC and like understanding but you know at the same time you can watch something you'd be like okay that's of that era but like this movie definitely has moments that are you know I mean, there's oh my god, it's there's the kidnapping of a black celebrity. There's offensive Chinese accents. There's yeah. sex dolls. There's <laughs> uh, I mean, so a lot a lot of boobs. You yeah, know, it it checks ridiculous. off it checks off every every box of a sleazy like eighties late night cable B movie. Um, and it's it's kind of glorious in its. <laughs> just absolute offensiveness um yeah and like i said if they were to cut all of that out like it would be a five minute movie it's it's absolutely and and i didn't really know uh what we were in for because the intro is pretty wholesome yeah like the intro so this movie came out in 1986 the director is mike marvin who the most noticeable thing I, I from his at least for me on his IMDb was he was the producer of the skiing sequences in Better Off Dead. Oh wow. Interesting <laughs> so, interesting high school slumber party crossover. Yeah, and that was the first movie Brian covered and he had Manzi and I for that on for that episode. Well, there so, are some uh, very well choreographed action scenes in this film. The helicopter was just, you know, I'm telling you, there there are some aspects of this movie where the production design. I'm like, how how did a shit movie like this get the <laughs> get budget, budget for that? Well, clearly not spent on like the actors and nobody of like you know that even you know ended up really having much of a career after this. No, I mean, I, I guess our, our our lead slightly like seems like he has a lot of TV credits to him. One of them was, uh, you know, it seemed like he had a decent amount of episodes on uh, the TV show Dallas. That but, makes sense. Uh... I mean, he's he's <laughs> there you go, yeah. He's sort of this like blandly attractive hunk of the eighties. Yeah, um, exactly. And and as I was watching him, all I could think about was Dennis from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. 
Oh my god! Now like, that you say that, I will never be able to remove it from my brain. He looks because... like him. He acts like him. Uh, you know. Well, and on Until It's Sunny, they did that brilliant ski episode yes, too. Yes, exactly. Like yes. making fun of exactly like movie, you know, ski school and all the '80s movies that are like this and Porky's and yeah. just everything that's just about. I mean, like you said, the beginning of this movie just starts out so simple and like. You know, I mean, innocent for the most part. You just see a bunch of fast food burgers being made. And there's this ridiculous song called Hamburgers for America. Oh, I love that, that song. sounds like very odd, like propaganda. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it sounds like it sounds like a, a jingle, yeah. like a commercial jingle, even though there is a commercial jingle later uh, that's that's introduced in the movie. But it's it's basically an, a propaganda song for hamburgers, um, and they they show B-roll of hamburgers being made, people of all ages and and creeds uh, enjoying hamburgers, and and they make hamburgers seem patriotic. Um, you know, it's really just this total celebration of hamburgers. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, when I had uh, George Motes, who is dubbed America's hamburger expert, and as he tells it, like, the hamburger truly is just, like, an American invention. You know, you would think between a, a city in Germany called Hamburg and just it being a pretty, you know, I mean, burgers like meatloaf can have an array of what you want to do with them. Sure. But in uh, ingredients... But they're just such a like quintessential American invention. So yeah, the song works perfectly because it has a jingle slash like patriotic propagandic like vibe to it. But yeah, that's how the movie begins, and then right away we're thrown into oh, just this <laughs> very eighties shower scene. But you know, yeah. So you've got other movies that have scenes like this. For instance, one comes to mind: Back to School. Uh, but then you have, and while it might may be inappropriate and definitely dated for today in that scene, then you just have like the amazing Rodney Dangerfield carrying the weight of that scene and still brings, I don't know, a bit of like chuckles still today, but this one, it's just panning, panning. I'm like, Oh, that first, you know, cause, uh, you watched it on YouTube because that's where it's available. I did. I did. Yeah. yeah as, as did I. <laughs> and so at first I'm like, Oh, is it, is it cropped? Like, cause I was expecting like boobs like right away it's a shower scene in like a sleazy 80s movie yeah. i'm like no the type the titles are still like on the screen so it's not cropped like too crazy and then sure enough then we get down the line and we meet our uh our main character russell and he's in the shower with another woman you know because it's a women's bathroom Whoa. i'm assuming and uh and I mean, what he's then in with the school therapist, psychologist. Yeah, who and... immediately can't help herself and tries to oh, have yeah. sex with him. I mean, we we talked about uh, Brian and I talked about this recently on our um, our Ferris Bueller discussion, and the reason why Ferris Bueller, y- you can really root for him. Like, yeah, he's the most popular, coolest kid in school, but like he has sort of a vulnerability to him. He's, he's a nerd. Um, yeah. This guy, Russell, 
it's hard to root for him because he's a hunky dude who women constantly throw themselves at for no real reason whatsoever. Exactly. Uh, it's it's saying like, all I want, or my parents want me to get an education. All I do is have sex. It's like, that's your problem. Like that's <laughs> like, like all we're, we're introduced to a very non-relatable character. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, this is, this is kind of a, uh, staple of the sleazier end of eighties B movies is that, the world is populated by women who are complete nymphomaniacs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I love, they just do such the cliche thing that for, you know, forever since not another teen movie, I just think of, you know, when they're trying to make a pretty woman seem like not attractive at first, but it's just like the typical like therapist with the hair pulled really tight back in the glasses and you're supposed to, yeah. you know, <laughs> be made to believe that she shouldn't have any sexual interests and also she lets her hair down and opens up her you know blouse and of course she's not wearing a bra and she just wants to ruin her career right next to the dean's office with this with this other student that she know knows goes around and is notorious for sleeping with tons of women yeah and so. and right on like this movie tells you what it is right off the bat i mean between the shower scene and the uh the the scene with the school psychologist um and you also get the the staple of the uh the stuffy authority figure there's like <laughs> the the matron in the girls school who kicks him out of the uh the shower there's the yeah. the dean that walks into the office and he's like, "Well, I never." <laughs> and, his, <laughs> and then you get the parents that take turns like choking him. Yeah, the uh, disapproving parents. I like the touch that their couch was covered in plastic. That's that's something that wasn't <laughs> wasn't quite out of date in the mid '80s. Um, that was a like this movie does have some flashes of actual wit. Um, they're very it brief. does yeah. yeah yeah no but it has moments i i felt just having covered a lot of food films now like food films definitely i mean you know in the end i mean most movies if you're telling a story you have something to say but when it comes to food it's going to be things of like gluttony and excess and you know just like over the top stuff like that and they definitely have gl- glimpses of that yeah. not a whole lot but moments that I'm like, oh, okay, they're trying to say like a little something now. But then you you just get uh, between, uh, what was that? What was what, what, who ends up being his uh, buddy in the film? Is it? Oh is well, it well, for- I I feel like um, once we get to the university, we'll we'll go down the list of the because yeah. <laughs> another staple of these movies is that there's a ragtag bunch of misfits. Um, exactly. Oh, and these and, are rags. And tag. this is a <laughs> this group puts the rag in ragtag. They are a, a filthy bar rag. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean the the parents they're after they're done choking him, Homer Simpson style. They see a commercial <laughs> on TV for a uh, you know a, a school that will train you to be a. a Buster Burger franchise manager. And yeah, this movie doesn't waste any time when it comes to like setting up the plot, yeah. which is a very like 
kind of, I feel like, 80s thing to do that, like, the dad strangling him and says, like, your grandfather left you 250000 you've blown through it because you've been kicked out of four schools already. It's like, boy, like, really? Like, this is what, you know, a movie like Animal House, which, yes, you know, like, definitely has some dated humor to it um, for today's standards. But you have the ridiculous character of Bluto in it, and we understand that he's in his seventh year, and... You know, he's first it's med school and then it's like law school or what have you. But but it's just silly enough. And he's just so he's he's not this pretty play by pretty boy actor or whatever. And isn't like saying, you know, like, oh, all women want to do is have sex with me. Woe is me. He's just he's just he's just there for like a good time. And he is I mean, like the like the title says, you know, it's an animal house. He's just one of the animals and he's just like living life at that point. Yeah. This movie just, you know, throws you an unsympathetical character. Yeah, there there are a lot of parallels between this movie and Animal House. This Animal House is basically a, a much more commercial, uh, slightly more highbrow, uh, a lot less high concept <laughs> movie than this. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, the thing about Animal House, the reason that you can root for them is that they are the losers. Um, yeah, it's, they're the, it's the, like, they're, it's the underdog story yeah, for them. And this guy is not an underdog, except for the fact that he, he just can't graduate college because he keeps having sex with beautiful women. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like which which it's not which is not. I mean, once he goes to uh, the university, then they say to Buster Burger University that you're not allowed to have sex on campus. But it's like at all these other colleges, just have it in a dorm room and then don't you know have it with the uh, you know the staff the you know, <laughs> the staff. Whoever. I'm I'm sure he's done it with like the dean's daughter and all that. Well, I mean yeah, we'll get yeah. to that because history repeats <laughs> itself. But he arrives at Busterberger University and the other recruits are there. Uh, there's a drill sergeant uh, played by football star Dick Butkus, who, who I, <laughs> I believe is the biggest uh, name in the film. Uh, yes. And, you know, he carries a, a, a spatula around like a riding crop. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he's doing his usual drill sergeant thing. And we are introduced to uh, the dirty ragtag group. Um, there's a nun for some reason. They don't really do a lot with that, except, you know, it's funny that a nun would want to go. Yeah. She heard a voice. Yeah. God told her to go. God told her it was the, it was the burger jingle. Um, (laughs) there's, there's a, like a weirdo nerd, like a spaz. Yeah. The very typical, like poindextery kind of yeah nerd dork with the tips of glasses and the just the, yeah, the, the cadence that comes with the typical yeah exactly a whiny voice yeah yeah so you've got revenge of the nerds in there then you have this you know you have the police academy vibe except he's you know mahoney's trying to get kicked out the last thing that russell wants to is to get kicked out yeah uh you know from this but sure it's yeah but you got animal house you got police academy and you got Revenge of the Nerds already. And it just like, I feel like the list keeps going. But yeah. Yeah. There's a big fat guy. Uh, yep. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure there was a big fat guy in 
police academy. Yes. Yep. Obviously, there was one in Animal House. Um, his whole gag is that he's trying to lose weight, so he has a device that shocks himself whenever he's hungry. Yeah, the, so, it's called the Fat Boy Pocket Shocker. <laughs> that Ugh. sounds like a that sounds like a punk band name. It does. I, yeah. Uh, but when whenever the movie needs a cheap laugh, it cuts to the fat guy shocking himself and him flailing about. Um, there's a there's a uh, Central American uh, com- uh, revolutionary gorilla yeah, like militant, yeah. <laughs> and she is, you know, they could have done so. That was very topical for the mid '80s, of course. Um, but they could have done something interesting with her character, but instead her one character trait is that she's horny all the time. Um, yeah, exactly. I thought like, oh, okay, we're going to get like the woman that really excels and like will outshine the guys, even though this isn't like a, uh, this isn't police academy and they're not going to be going like, you know, like inspiring with one another. But I just thought, like, military training, okay, she's going to be, like, really good at it and be- maybe become the team leader. No, she just ends up, like, wanting to find a man in America to fuck. And yeah. then and went or, once... Or they, yeah. they could have incorporated some sort of political intrigue into it. Um... Yeah, something. But they just, like, they even... I, I thought it was going to be a bad joke at first. They're saying guacamole instead of Guatemala. It's like, no, they're just yeah. calling the, the country guacamole. Yeah. And her name and is then, and her her name is Conchita and like in the in the uh, church scene she's wearing a fruit hat like she's wearing a fruit hat oh lord <laughs> that then we get then we get our heavy character that because grapes are bad I guess he ends up you know buzzing himself and uh, oh what was what's what's the um, Magneto Jones yes Magneto Jones who is is seen is seen being brought into the school under a like a police escort. This is not good for the the, the I mean at any time, but especially yeah. what's going on right now, it just feels in, extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, it did. It really did. But I was kind of confused because it seems like it's some sort of like court ordered thing. Uh, but then the drill sergeant says that he's there because uh, for diversity, because there aren't yeah. enough, there aren't enough black Buster Burger franchise owners, and and they need to diversify. So it's like, why is he there under duress? Uh, exactly. I, mean, I, I don't know. And, so the and, two, so two things like. That's why before I said, oh, there's a kidnapped black man in this movie. He truly seems like he's kidnapped. And he's just like, once I get these like you know handcuffs, these shackles off, like you're you're all gonna get it or whatever. Yeah. And and then uh, it's once the drill sergeant says that, uh, you know, like that we the, the well, he says something like the Supre- the Supreme Court has us under investigation because we don't have any black managers. Yeah. Uh, so we're trying to you know bring in this diversify. It ends up being this very kind of meta thing that's just like that's exactly what this character is in this movie. He's the only you know like we get a black cop oh, yeah. later, but sure, it just sure. ends up being the same thing that what he is for them, he is for this movie. Yeah, and he's he's very clearly sort of a, a Rick James character. Yeah, um, yeah. He's he's doing a Rick James impression the whole time, and he's hilarious. He has some great like sort of background gags that he does that are 
almost certainly improvised. Oh uh, yeah. Like there's there's a classroom scene where they all have to wear goggles. Exactly. And he does a Stevie Wonder impression. It's good. Uh, it's 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 pretty good. Uh, yeah. Magneto Jones, and then and then we have Domino. Uh, what's his? I think his name's like Rick Domino or something. I I read on via IMDb Fred Domino. Fred Domino. And he is basically the same character as Russell, um, except he's a party guy. Uh, he wears a plaid suit jacket, and he's smuggling booze and porn into the school. Yeah. Um, so he's almost he, like the other guy in Police Academy, the one that ends up sleeping with the, the blonde drill in, uh, instructor, or sar- drill yes. sergeant in that movie. The one that's doing, I think, like a Spanish or Italian accent that we find out. He's from Jersey or New York or something like that. I don't know. If you're oh confused. yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's like um, he's kind of like Mahoney in that movie, and so this guy is kind of like Russell for this, but he doesn't care about playing by the rules while Russell like is trying not to sleep with anybody there because he just needs to get this degree. Yeah, yeah. For uh, and and Russell and Domino are roommates, and another big trope of these movies is <clears throat> the the weirdo or, or the loser or one of the ragtag group, uh, finding the sort of high status woman and Mm -hmm. ending up with them. Uh, you know, in, in animal house, you had, uh, Dean Wormer's wife, Dean Wormer's wife, you know, uh, there's, there's a movie, one crazy summer, which I really love. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, John Cusack. It's it's basically the spiritual sequel to Better Off Dead. Oh um, wow, okay. I don't. Oh, think, it's I great, mean, and it's yeah, and, and it's like it. a perfect summer movie. Um, mm-hmm. If you if you have the means, as as Ferris Bueller would say, I highly recommend it. Um, <laughs> but in that movie, uh, like the loser ends up with the preppy bully's girlfriend at the end. Um, so that that's a, a staple. And Domino, of course, ends up in love with the dean's wife, the dean being the CEO of Buster Burger. Yeah, um, uh, what's Lyman Vunk. Lyman Vunk, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and Russell ends up in love with uh, Funk's daughter, who is yeah. also a professor there. And she's yeah. like the only redeemable character in the film. Uh, she's a very sweet girl who knows her stuff when it comes to meat. Um, <laughs> and gives uh, very gives very interesting lectures with chainsaws and wooden models of cows. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, so you have these two kind of forbidden romances going on, and of course, the dean's daughter is engaged to the drill sergeant. Uh, which raises all sorts of complications. Um, but the the classes, we, we were treated to a montage of the classes oh, yeah. uh, that they go to at Buster Burger, and they're, <clears throat> they're all quite interesting. Yeah, like I, I wrote down, uh, well, you've got, it starts off by saying, like, we've got the three beans, uh, bees, beef, Plus buns equals box. And from there we get this montage of, like I said, that you've got the wooden bowl bull, uh, that Mia carves up. 
you've get you you do get the the Magneto doing the Stevie Wonder during that time. Yeah, yeah. You get, you get the classic crying while chopping up all the onions. Yes, that was you, actually it was so dumb. I thought it was hilarious because it was like they're studying like onionology or exactly. something. And they're one all of the, in this, one of the more innocent gags in the movie. Yeah. And they're all in this lab and, and everyone in the class is, is chopping up onions in some way. And they're all just crying. And as it pans across, the crying is getting more intense. Uh, it, it's, it was pretty good. I mean, it, again, on the scale of, of the legitimate wit in this film, it was definitely up there. Yeah, and you have the kind of the, he becomes the like mad scientist, Doctor Mole, and yes. uh, one of the weirder scenes in the movie is there's like a big pickle oh surgery scene yes. that ends up being like a cert, like being like it's like it was supposed to be giving birth, and then they lose like the the pickle dies. And then he's like, but not, but not all is lost. He's like, look, little gherkins, twins. Yeah. And it's just, it's this movie. It's definitely a little like all over the place. It's just a hodgepodge, like a buffet of (laughs) 80s ridiculousness. Yeah. Um, There's a couple notes I took about these, these classes, the, the pickle surgery scene. Uh, which is definitely one of the more memorable. It's it's basically as if they there was like a pregnant woman who died on the table, and <laughs> and they did like a cesarean section and removed the baby. Like it's that kind of intense of a scene, except it's about a giant pickle. Like it's so crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. Um, I mean, of course, in, in a movie like better off dead you have like the food that kind of comes alive and scoots off the table and you can have like wacky moments like that you have a musical number where he becomes a mad scientist and the hamburger comes alive and it's just you know the whole claymation stop motion uh everybody wants some moment yeah but then it kind of gets back to reality but you can just see like by at least the director's you know you know, IMDb credits. He was just kind of round, and I feel like taking a little bit from everybody and made this movie. Yeah, absolutely. He, he was he was sort of taking a little bit from everything that was popular and and cranking up the sleaze for yeah. sure. Um, and uh, and there's there's also a scene. One of the classes is where they have to operate the. Uh, sort of assembly line that makes the burgers. Yes, um, this ridiculous assembly line that doesn't seem like it's that's like what they have in the in like their fast food chains. No, no, but it, it, it I wish there I I kind of wish this was like a carnival game or like something you could do in an arcade. <laughs> um cuz yeah, the burgers come down the line and you've got to make sure they've got all the toppings and and they come faster and faster. Um that part was really cool. I uh uh but and of course the the drill sergeant is in charge of running the machine and he cranks it up all the way and Russell has sort of a an I love Lucy situation. <laughs> 
Yeah, from the get-go, the dr- the drill instructor, um, you know, what's it, Druton, that's his character's name, mm-hmm. is just on top of Russell and, like, Domino's case. And then, I mean, it becomes, you know, like, I, I do air quotes to it, like, reasonably so that he's supposedly in this relationship with Mia, and then Russell's hitting on her, and they have the scuffle at the at the pool and then at the Chinese place. So he is, you know, he is the antagonist for the movie, but specifically going after Russell. So he makes an example out of Russell in this scene. And then especially later on when they're given a chance to run, you know, that specific, uh, location. Yeah. But, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like after, after the montage, we see, we see Russell and Domino, in their dorm room and they, their beds are giant stuffed hamburgers. Uh, <laughs> I kind of want one. <laughs> yeah. It looks better as like a beanbag chair. Yeah. A chair yeah. version of it would be great. Um, I'm sure yeah, it's moments find. like that, that it's like, Oh wow. Like you, like the prop department got a lot of money in this movie. Right. And, and also the, the mad scientist, uh, the fast food mad scientist, uh, who's coming up with all these ideas, like a like a, a, a candy bar that tastes like meat, um, and he ends up turning the the spaz kid into a chicken. Yeah, we end up thinking some... he's going to take him under his wing, no pun intended, and yeah. like, and then he ends up using him as his guinea pig. Yeah, I I I love a, another moment of legitimate wit is when. The spaz says to the doctor, oh, I've read all of your articles in the New England Journal of Fried Foods. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're in the they're in the dorm room and Domino is fiddling around with a blow up doll. Yep. You know. we, there's our, there's our cliche blow up doll or some kind of sex toy yeah. in, the, in these movies. Uh, Gotta love it. Yeah. Um, and and they want to sneak into town and blow off some steam. Yeah, they, Domino they, wants to pick up women, and yeah. Russell's like, no. And he's like, well, at least some Chinese food? Okay, sure. It's like, but still, you're doing something like you don't want to get in trouble. You want to graduate, but you're going to escape off of campus? Yeah, and they <laughs> go to a Chinese restaurant, and Domino, the whole time, is doing a horribly offensive Chinese accent. Um, they go to the Chinese restaurant, and they, they meet the dean's wife and the dean's daughter, uh, of course, and they so and order... she's her stepmom, but she yeah, does the ref- stepmom, and, the step- and they are. Did they say earlier in the film? Did she say that like she came, like she was friends with Mia, and she came to visit her, and it just so happened to be after the dean's wife passed away, so he, she figured like why not? Like, I, I I felt like I heard it was that. definitely something like that. At the very least, I think like she was a student there. Okay, um, yeah. But yeah, they do surprisingly give that some exposition and some backstory as to like how this, you know, blonde bimbo ended up being the elderly dean's wife. Yeah. Um, Who, if the remake, which should never ever happen, is made, <laughs> no. I want the dean played by Alan Alda. <laughs> oh man, Hollywood, you gotta get on that before Alan Alda dies. <laughs> exactly. 
It would be this movie. It would be this remake that kills him, though. So that's the catch twenty two. Yeah, yeah. And I can't imagine them getting any other actors in it. Like they would only get <laughs> no. Alan Alda, and the rest would be nobodies. Yeah, they'd just be cardboard cutouts. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and they get to the Chinese restaurant and they, they order, you know, the most s- stupid made up Chinese, like some young guy and, you know. Yeah, all, all very cliche things. And then, of course, uh, what the uh, Druton shows up, so they have to hide under the table. And so then uh, Domino starts. Uh, yeah. You know, go, go, going <laughs> down this, on the dean on the dean's wife, and he has this, that line of "I love eating out." Oh, yeah, wow, wow. I mean, again, another food scene <laughs> in many ways, but uh, but yeah, I I was actually pretty shocked at how explicit this was, uh, even for even for one of these like. Uh, you know, eighties boner comedies. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. It's normally like kind of a quick cutaway to, again, I'm just, I'll keep referring to the same films like police Academy when that, like, and then it's even a callback joke. That's what the movie ends with. They hire a prostitute and she ends up, you know, giving, uh, you know, uh, oral pleasure to the, uh, commissant Lassard or whatever. Lassard. Yeah. And, uh, so like, that but they, like they have a and he has like a quick little reaction and then they and then they cut away this like they linger on the dean's wife and she's getting sweaty and the table's shaking and it's, yeah it's yeah they, they spend a lot of time on it <laughs> yeah uh but yeah they get busted and the the drill sergeant takes them and puts them into these like fiberglass pickles where they're <laughs> like pickle doused. torture pickle torture they're they're doused with like pickle sauce and they're forced to listen to the buster burger jingle on repeat um it's so weird like this whole the whole thing of the university like even in the beginning when before we meet all of our like our ragtag team there's like people marching around they're doing a very nazi-esque march oh yeah yeah they're definitely goose stepping <laughs> yeah exactly and so like there's a lot of moments like that that i mean clearly this i mean since this came out in what did i say like 86 but it, it seems like it's parroting something or like a satire of something but i can't i don't know exactly for what at that time what they would be like now if someone made something like that i'd be like oh they're talking about like a like a facebook campus or something yeah but like like i feel like at least in the 80s like i don't know there wasn't as much of uh even still like an evilness is before mcdonald i mean they also they're using mcdonald's colors in the red and yellow everywhere yeah well Um, i think i think that um in the 80s, it, it became public knowledge that franchise owners for McDonald's and, and probably other fast food franchises had to go to a place that was called Hamburger University. Oh, okay. Um, and, it, like, there were news reports about it. Um, you know, it was all very innocuous. They were They were taught about the product and management techniques and corporate policy and things like that. Um, but you know, McDonald's was huge in the eighties and, uh, 
you know, it's a good time for the great taste of McDonald's. Like, <laughs> growing up in the 80s, that is probably burned into my head more than any 80s song. Um, but uh, but Hamburger University was, was a thing in the 80s. It probably still is. But um, I, I feel like the guy who made this movie found out about it and was like, I wonder what actually goes on there. Exactly. I mean, it's yeah. still even, I, I, I can't help myself, but then it, like, it makes me think of even like a Trump university kind of thing. Oh, like, sure. Just, they could know... make a great movie about that. Oh yeah. But yeah. Okay. That makes a bit more sense that it's just like, that's like the connective glue. He's like, uh, you know, working on sets in the eighties and working on all these very, you know, cliche films of the time and then he hear maybe like heard about hamburger university and was like oh that's okay that's what i'll i'll my story will be yeah there's my idea (laughs) there's my idea yeah but yeah there's just so many loose ends to it all (laughs) there's so much going on in this movie yeah then we even get an on-campus like after that uh i think what well the next scene after that is i think we bring in the whole mad scientist and like kind of turning people into chicken i mean because then even like that the the nerd guy that becomes his guinea pig ends up laying an egg at one point yes yes like it's ridiculous and then after that we get the church scene which they're singing uh what what would be if it's hallelujah it's burgalooya yeah the 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 hamburger themed hymns are are (laughs) great i love them um a, a big part of colleges, at least, you know, up until recently, if you went to like a Jesuit uh, university or a Catholic university, you would go to chapel, um, you know, mm-hmm. every week. The, it was part of your school curriculum was that you yeah. go to chapel and the professors would, you know, be sort of they would read passages from the Bible and whatnot. It was integrated into the academics. If you went to a certain kind of university. And I think that's what they're getting at. And the chapel is called our lady of the immaculate bathroom. (laughs) It's pretty cool. Um, But yeah, those, those hymns are great. And, and in church, the Dean's wife, uh, she writes in her little hymnal, like mm-hmm. meet me outside I'm horny and holds it up so Domino can see it and her and Domino run out to go start doing it in a helicopter <laughs> and this leads to to quite a set piece yeah like a set piece in the sense of you know clear obviously some shots are you know trick shots uh you know when they're flying in the air or i mean they must have had i feel like the the helicopter on maybe some kind of crane when it's going up and down on top of the car you know yeah obvious safety reasons but just even yeah the shots from above and just the getting the shots of the helicopter in the air i was very it was very unexpected i was like oh okay yeah like she even says like they never use it it's just something her husband has so he'll never come over here but then we get what it's uh we get magneto trying to escape again he's just always trying yeah, to escape. Magneto still... jones jumps yes. in the helicopter and the three of them Handcuffed. end up yeah you know flying all over campus and you get these you get these shots 
That's it's like clearly stunt helicopter flying. Yeah. They had to hire like a stunt helicopter pilot. Um, so it, it was very unexpected. It that moment and the mad scientist lab, which is very elaborate, were both things. You know, I said before that a lot of movies like this have the production values of a porno movie. (laughs) And up until those two scenes, it does kind of feel that way. Um, But yeah, this is a very elaborate scene. And of course the helicopter trashes the drill sergeant's car. Yeah. Um, Which is one of the least things he ends up like freaking out about. Yeah. They ne- they don't meet any like repercussion from it. I guess maybe then his ultimate plan is to get them, you know, kick kicked out, and then that's uh, he takes it out on them when they're uh, running one of the locations. Yeah, the final exam. That this whole thing brings us right into the the final exam, um, and they the the big practice. There's an oral exam where they have to. Um, they get quizzed by a panel of professors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you find out some very interesting things about uh, corporate policy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the executive board, right? Because isn't that what Druton wants to be part of? That's like yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the practical exam is that uh, Russell and the ragtag bunch are put in charge of a franchise for a day. And of course, all hell breaks loose. I mean, things are things are going great. Yeah, things and, are going great. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a busload of fat people come in. Uh, and oh and yeah, they, what are the, what are they called? I wrote the the Fab Four Hundred. Yes, the Eating Club. The Eating Club, exactly. And and also a a black police officer goes to the drive-through, and oh uh, boy, yeah. Drusen. Uh, he somehow hacks into the drive-through and says all sorts of um, racial slurs and racial slurs. Now, there's something that really popped into my head at this point, um, and it had to be a conscious thing because this the filmmaker was ripping off everything left and right. I don't uh-huh. know if you're familiar with Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. When when it, during this scene when it would cut to the drill sergeant guy sitting in his trashed car with the roof ripped off, uh-huh. he's wearing aviator shades and he's holding his CB radio in yeah. exactly the same position as uh, uh, Jackie Gleason in Smokey and the Bandit, uh, and he's saying yeah. you know yeah. racist things. Uh, it had to be an homage to that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I t- totally didn't pick up on that, but yeah, that, yeah, it has to be because yeah. even if not, not try to pick on. Uh, apologies for already forgetting his name, but Mike Marvin. Uh, but at the same time, since he hasn't d- directed a whole lot of other things, yeah, you know, like in the end of the day, even your bad directors, every decision it, or everything you see is a decision. Yeah. So yeah, that has to be a Smoking the Bandit reference. Sure, or, or oh, 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 you oh, know, oh, it shit. could have been Dick Butkus being like, you know, I'm in this trashed car. I love smoking. I could see yeah, Smoking exa- yeah, the Bandit yeah. being Dick Butkus's favorite movie. You know? 
<laughs> that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Before everything starts going uh, wrong at at that you know at that location, we get the what supposedly is one of the more f- the famous and quotable because this ha- definitely has a um, cult vibe around it. This movie, and so the put those cookies back, motherfucker. The collector <laughs> saying yes. to the little girl. Supposedly, that's like one of the bigger memorable moments of the movie. Yeah, well, they, that was one of the things. Like when they're when they're being trained, yeah. um, it's one of the tenets of being a Buster Burger employee is knowing when to say "put the cookies back, motherfucker," <laughs> and they say it to like a little girl, I think, yeah. um, which is great. But yeah, all hell breaks loose. Um, a, a, a gang of bikers. Uh, Another another staple of oh, the yeah, exactly. movie is <laughs> is a gang of like Mad Max style bikers who just show up out of nowhere and start trashing the place. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Which had already had an explosion because of a cliche Asian tourist taking a picture of the heavy people when they bombard him in the bathroom after they're giving oh, lax- yeah, they after give, they're giving laxatives. They give the eating club because uh, they're like, how do we get rid of them? They can't stop eating. Let's give them uh, milkshakes laced with laxatives, which doesn't seem like a great idea because you're just kind of shifting the problem to the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're all going to swarm, as they did, no, they're all going to swarm for the seem- bathroom and... <laughs> didn't seem like the most thought out plan but um so you've got all these people shitting all over the bathroom and then the the biker gang shows up and starts trashing the place and i can't remember why because at that point they don't have any food i think that's why yeah and and, but i feel like they were hired by druton so either way they would have like trashed it right it seemed like yeah they didn't show up randomly I mean, I know he must have had something to do with it. And then the black police officer shows up with a a whole bunch of other black police officers who join the bikers, and they all trash the place together. Yeah, because um, they were led to believe that the manager, which was Russell, said that was, was horrible Was things. racist, yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, it, it, I mean, the... The idea of a group of black police officers trashing a place because of racism, like the the <laughs> yeah. the irony and the overlap of everything. It's so yeah. weird. But um, and meanwhile, out on the street, um, the the drill sergeant guy decides to get into a game of chicken with a chicken truck with these two Mexican guys driving a chicken chicken truck for no reason. Like, I don't know why, but uh, it ends up shooting the chicken truck through the franchise. It is completely wrecked. There's chicken feathers everywhere. Um, All looks lost. And the Dean pulls up. And I was like, how are they going to, how are they going to solve this? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And the way that they solve it is so out of nowhere it's almost like the writer didn't know himself did, and just was, did, well and didn't know how to get out of the hole that they dug for themselves yeah yeah 
Yeah. And there were a million more clever ways they could have gotten out of this, but no. It it's the nun who didn't really have a lot to do no. in, in the story. I mean, other than the fact that it's funny that a nun would want to work in a fast food restaurant. She gives a little uh, air, like black power fist pump to Magneto Jones at one point. Yes, she does. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I like that. <laughs> because I think he says, what's up, sister? And he's like, what's up, brother? Or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> something, yeah. something very cliche like that. Yeah. But yeah, she gets nothing to do. And then one of the chickens landed by the fryer. And so she she says something. I didn't even, you know, since I was watching YouTube, I couldn't like I didn't have the subtitles on or anything like that. But pretty much that inspires the Dean, inspires Lyman Vunk into introducing, which which they seem to have plans for the whole chicken thing. And that's what we were seeing with the mad scientist. Yeah. But that's the out right there. That he's like, yeah, chicken, and you'll be our spokesperson. The frying nun. Yeah. And that's, that's it. Like, that's that's the end of <laughs> that's that. It. That's, <laughs> that's it. it. And everyone that's graduates. It. Yeah, everyone graduates. Really, like, it goes, it's, then it's, uh, for a second we think Druton's going to be on the executive board. And then he says that he's going, he and me are going to get uh, married. Like, they're, they're, they're engaged. And so then they put... Uh, the guy's uh, shocker, like pocket pocket shocker on his testicles, and then he spills the milkshake on Vunk, and that makes him like demote him to a yeah. permanent picker, a PPP, a permanent pick paper picker, or something yeah. like that. That one, yeah. that one uh, moment with the the shocker and the milkshake uh, makes them disown, makes the dean disown. You know his right hand man. Um, oh, and also one thing we we forgot was when the when the restaurant is trashed, Russell gives an inspiring speech. <laughs> he does, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, straight out of Animal House, straight out of Meatballs. Um, again, just just a perfect trope. Um, and I uh, there's like swelling music behind him, and I I believe somebody says, "Where is that music coming from?" Uh, which, I, I miss I miss that. That's, yeah, those are those little moments like that. That's what I like. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like exactly. slapstick comedy, whether it's a Mel Brooks or like yeah. Airplane yeah. or what have you. Yeah, I, I mean, again, there is a there is a much cleverer movie hidden behind deep deep down behind this, <laughs> and but that it, is the one that's going to star Alan Alda. Yeah, exactly. It, the thinking man's hamburger, the motion picture. I, exactly. It needs to be something since like we have like an elevated burger chains these days and shake shacks and, uh, and like a uh, five guys oh, and man. in and you out. Like there needs to be some kind of like evil burger organization or something or Kyle, if, if you've got the time, I think, the world is crying out for it and we should we should really <laughs> sit down and and sort of bang out some thoughts on this but you know we'll talk offline about I that. would love to because <laughs> I just I want I want you me and Alan Alda to become friends Oh my god Alan Alda like I, I okay little sidebar here little tangent <laughs> um but in in uh you know you always loved when your teacher rolled in the TV um, oh yeah, yeah. And my science teacher would often roll in the TV and show us 
uh, Alan Alda's science specials on PBS. Oh, that's and I was like, holy shit, Alan Alda's so much cooler than I ever thought. <laughs> He's just the best. Him and Dick Van Dyke are like the two coolest old people in the world. Yeah. Although them, I think Alan yeah. Alda's going to outlive Dick Van Dyke, but maybe Dick Van Dyke can play the, the mad, mad scientist. Sci- yeah, the mad yes, scientist yes, or yes. something. Yeah. And I, I feel like... You know, if if this was made nowadays, if we were keeping with the spirit of the original, like Ryan Reynolds would be the main guy. <laughs> but but that's sort of the problem is that like sort of like you think about Van Wilder, it's like it was kind of hard to root for Van Wilder because he was this, you know, handsome, cool guy. That yeah, no, that him. was. Yeah, exactly. Van Wilder, I mean, when I saw it, like, I was like, oh, this is funny. But yeah, there was always that little something that's like, well, he's not, yeah, he doesn't have that underdog quality to him. Like, everyone likes him. And then his big thing is that he has this relationship with his father, played by Tim Matheson. And yes, yes. That's... And what he discovers that he's good at throwing parties, and that's like what he'll, you know, do yeah, for a Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. They, do, they do humanize him a bit, but it's still kind of hard to root for him. Like it is hard to root for Russell in this movie. Um, you know what we need? We need actually not to, not to take anything from away from Dick Van Dyke, but Bill Hader should be the mad scientist. So, oh, then, we get, yes. so then we get Bill Hader with uh, Alan Alda, who Bill Hader does an amazing. Oh Alan my Alda. God. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, you know what? I think <laughs> maybe there needs to be a supplemental podcast episode where we, basically outline our reboot of yeah Hamburger, exactly. the motion picture. But, i like that idea yeah yeah but uh, before we go way off the rails um you know it's it's graduation um every every member of the ragtag group has someone in the audience kind of cheering them on when they graduate <laughs> yeah yeah uh the the spaz guy has the the two women who pulled the egg out of his ass cheering for him uh <laughs> the the gorilla fighter woman has like uh kind of like a che guevara gang drinking oh, drinking yeah. like malt liquor in the stand <laughs> which we didn't bring up the one of the more i thought problematic things in the movie is oh, yes. when R- R- russell when not wanting to have sex with her does this very horrible, if we're talking about uh, Domino doing a horrible, like Chinese accent. Yeah. Uh, we get, we get Russell doing a, you know, like the very homophobic kind of gay, you know, tone, tone. To oh him, yeah. I mean, it, if, yeah. if you, if you ever heard someone doing a gay impression before, you know, 2005, that, it sounded like that. It was, you know, just the most stereotypical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. And, and, uh, the last person who graduates sort of the valedictorian, if you will, of the, the class of Hamburger university is Magneto Jones. And, and- he, <laughs> He has nothing to. I thought he was gonna like let them have it. I thought yeah. that was gonna be his payoff. <laughs> yeah, which leads me to believe. Now, did this actor that plays Magneto Jones is he a friend of somebody? And he had like 
was trying to start a singing career and they were like, yeah, let's put you in this and you can sing at the end. Like I had a feeling Magneto was going to sing at the end, but I, I don't know. I thought there was going to be a better payoff than that. Yeah. And if, if he was to sing at the end, I thought he would sing something other than the Buster Burger <laughs> theme song. Yeah, sing sing the song about the place that kidnapped you and like had you. <laughs> yeah, and they and they 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 take his shackles off. Like it's it's very uncomfortable. I mean, in a in a movie full of uncomfortable moments. Oh my god, the guy who the guy who plays uh Magneto Jones, his name is Chip McAllister, which is Whoa. the whitest name I've ever heard. Chip McAllister. Chip what? McAllister. I felt like I heard. I mean, that just sounds like such a fake name in a movie, you know? Yeah, like, I feel, he like yeah. he he hasn't really done a lot. He he played a young Cassius Clay in a TV movie about the life of Muhammad Ali in 1977. Oh. Okay, um, he did mostly uh, TV. You know, he had a he had a spot on Highway to Heaven, The Facts of Life. Maybe he's just a full-time uh, singer somewhere. Maybe, you know? I hope, yeah. I hope so. I hope he's out there somewhere just like rocking the shit out of a county <laughs> fair. <laughs> I would go to that county fair to see him. Oh, my God. Oh, man, yeah. So that's 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 Hamburger. the mo- And just even the, okay, we didn't even like the title of this movie, Hamburger, colon, <laughs> The motion picture. Yes. What what does that what does that mean? What was there was there another hamburger at the time? Was there some mysterious thing behind this that they needed to say the motion picture? I like, don't know. Uh, well, well, I'll I'll say this: Hot Dog the movie was in 1984, so okay. maybe it was trying to like ape that somehow. I guess, yeah. I I I don't know. That's just it's because it was it was two years later, and even though Hot Dog the you know Hot Dog was referencing uh, a skiing. Wait a second, skiing. Was this guy involved in Hot Dog the movie? The the creator of maybe. Um, Let me see, Mike Marvin, all filmography. Let me go to produce. I didn't see it under. Because that would make sense. You said 84, so let me just... Oh, yeah, wait, co-producer. Holy shit! Well, there we go. There we go. (laughs) So that was Hot Dog dot 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 the movie. This is Hamburger colon the motion picture. Yeah. He was just like, as a... To like, I guess maybe the... So the director of Hot Dog the movie is Peter Markle, who... Hmm... Has he done? Uh, seems to have a bit more under his belt. Yeah, doing like TV I mean, movies still and stuff like that. It just seems like, like it just seems like by saying like versus uh, you know saying the movie, saying the motion picture seems like he's just like, yeah, see, I'm the director now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I have, but I mean, you know, knowing knowing what what you said about him having filmed the skiing sequences in Better Off Dead, yeah. um, you know the 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 whole connection. We've 
I feel like Charlie Day in that famous uh, meme. From, <laughs> you know, his earliest credit. He's a writer in this movie in 1982 called Six Pack. Is this all food related stuff? Kenny <laughs> Rogers. Wait, was. it's a Ken. It's a Kenny Rogers movie. He's a race car wow. driver. It says a race car driver is driving to a race in a motorhome with his family car on a trailer. His car gets stripped of parts. He ends up with six orphan kids on his way to the race. That is the movie Six Pack. Wow. Well, I'm looking looking at Mike Marvin's filmography. Um, He wrote a movie called The Wraith in 1986. Are you familiar with that? I can't say that I that I am. So by... it, it it's a movie where Charlie Sheen is, uh, I believe he's like a drifter, and he's killed in a small town by a gang of punks, and he's reincarnated as a car. Oh yeah, Nick Cassavetes is in it. And, yeah, Randy, yeah, Randy Quaid. He, yeah, yeah, and he he takes revenge. Randy Quaid plays the town sheriff. Clint Howard, um, classic eighty stuff. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, we could we could talk about Mike Marvin all day long. Uh, <laughs> I just love so he goes, yeah, he's like got a movie called Six Pack, and then well, I mean, so it's re- referencing obviously him and then the kids he adopts, but it just like sounds like that uh, hot dog the movie. And he's like, I gotta hot finally dog, make yeah. a food movie that actually has food in it yeah. or something. Let's get some hot dogs, some hamburgers, and a six pack. Let's. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you uh, what we we should we should have a get together where we watch all three of those movies and we eat hamburgers, <laughs> hot dogs, and drink beer. That sounds awesome. <laughs> that Sometime like, before the summer is over. Absolutely. It sounds like a great like companion piece of just like films and food, of course. Yeah. So I'm all Let's about it. Let's do it. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, so anything else to say about Hamburger, the motion picture? Uh, it, it was sleazy. It was offensive. <laughs> it was everything I thought it would be and more. Uh, and I'm, I'm so glad that I had an excuse to finally watch it after, you know, so many, <laughs> so many years after seeing the poster for it in, in my video store when I was like eight years old and I would never have been able to rent it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just even looking at, like, I put little asterisks next to like specific moments. Maybe I enjoyed early in the film, uh, it's like yeah, it's early, early, early in the film. They're at the Buster Burger, and the old lady that's ordering, and she ends up dying in the drive-through. Yes, because yes. the pickle, the people talking through the pickle, like yell at her and tell her to go fuck yourself or what have you. Yeah, that's that's another example of the movie telling you what kind of movie it is. <laughs> yeah, um, they did warn us from early on exactly yeah. what it was going to be, but. I, I just have in my notes the literally the the third note I have is the word sleaze in all <laughs> capitals with like four underlines under it. So perfect. Yeah, no, yeah. I was I was I was happy to watch this too, and you're and you're the perfect person to talk <laughs> about this movie with. And that's not that is not a judge on your character, sir. That is the knowledge. No, of no, no. Hey, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk uh, a foodie scene. You gave me a couple of uh, ones that you, you know you enjoy some of your favorite films. 
Um, so let's go with we'll, we'll talk we'll talk two of them. Let's first start off with what you said what might be your favorite film of all time, Joe versus the volcano. Um, that I mean that's a movie I had seen I haven't seen in a while out of the out of the three films of uh tom hanks meg ryan's it's actually probably the one i've seen the least and it's maybe revered as like the best of them at least in a in a comedic sense right well it it's um it was written by a guy named john patrick shanley who is a playwright mostly yeah oh uh, he di- and then he directed uh brian and i cover doubt he did doubt. Yeah. He yeah. wrote the, the play and, and the film. He, he wrote Moonstruck, which he won an Oscar for. Yeah. And this was kind of his passion project. And it was such a huge bomb in the eighties commercially that it became kind of a, a kind of a punchline mm-hmm. uh, for a bad movie. And it got this horrible reputation um, and I watched it recently and, and we ended up for, for my engagement party, uh, about a year and a half ago, we rented out a theater and watched it because it's, it's really a metaphor for marriage, for, for taking, like experiencing your life. It's, it's a deep, deep movie. And, yeah. uh, Tom Hanks is really just, it was, I believe like 88, uh, 87, 88, maybe. Um, but it was really at that point where Tom Hanks was, uh, taking that leap from the wacky bachelor party, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Another movie that falls closer into the, uh, uh, hamburger, the motion picture. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the 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 story is that he's this guy working in a in a factory. He hates his life. He's told that he has a inoperable brain disease, mm-hmm. and he's given the opportunity to uh, sacrifice himself in a volcano. Yeah, uh, yeah. By a by a millionaire, uh, he the millionaire wants to mine the island, and the only way the natives will let him is if someone sacrificed themselves in the volcano. And so he goes on this epic journey, uh, and along the way he meets three different Meg Ryans. Meg Ryan plays three different characters. Um, mm-hmm. And they have a lot of meals together. Um, Tom Hanks has dinner with the first Meg Ryan, who is a coworker of his, uh, sort of a ditzy secretary. Like he basically quits in an epic fashion. Uh, you know, one of those things from a movie that we all wish we could do where he goes up <laughs> to his boss and he says, fuck you, I'm out. Um, he does it a lot more eloquently, you know, John Patrick Shanley, but, um, and and then he asks out the secretary and he says, you know, every day I come in here and I smell you and I, I know you're there and I want to talk to you, but I can't. Let's go out to dinner. And they, they go out to this Polynesian restaurant, which sort of, um, sort of uh, foreshadows his trip 
to the tropical island that he's going oh, to. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they have this magical night uh, at, like, this little cafe in Staten Island. And it's just this beautiful thing, and they have this great conversation. Uh, and she's like, you're, you're kind of scaring me. And he's like, I, I'm kind of scaring myself. Like, <laughs> I, you know, and it's, it's so great. And it, you know, it, it definitely, um, you know, talking about food and talking about like sharing meals with people, some of the best conversations oh, yeah. are, are done over, over food. And that happens every time he meets a different incarnation of meg ryan exactly it's like a it's a special cue and something for them like in each of these what her her characters of uh i know one's dd right there's yeah angelica and patricia yeah yes the first one is the the secretary he works with the second one is sort of like this vapid la a uh, woman who who kind of is supposed to represent everything that L.A. meant to John Patrick Shanley. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go out to this trendy uh, sort of seafood place, and he doesn't know how to eat his food because it's, like, served in this weird way. Um, <laughs> and, and they have a great conversation about art and poetry, um, you know, and... and Every meal is a kind, and and there's actually one point where he is getting ready for his trip. Uh, Ozzy Davis is his chauffeur, uh, and he says, "Well, we got to get you ready for your trip. We got to have you dressed like a gentleman." Um, you know, we we he takes him out on the town, um, and then Tom Hanks is like, "I have all this money. Why don't you join me for dinner? Like, it's the least I could do." And he's like. I got to get home to my family. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And there's a shot of Tom Hanks sitting at like the most high end steakhouse in New York city with like this, this beautiful meal in front of him. He's dressed in a tuxedo and he's, he's so sad and utterly alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, it, it is a contrast to those other meals that he has in the film where he has these great conversations, but like, you know, sitting alone at a table in New York city, like we said before, one of the worst places in the world to, to feel isolated because you're surrounded by so many people. Yeah. And, and just the shot of him sitting by himself at a table with a giant steak in front of him, wearing his nicest clothes and having no one to share it with. It's uh, yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. What should be an amazing night out is just reflected as such a lonely moment because yeah, yeah he's there by himself. I mean, you know, I've when like traveling by myself, I've I've had enough meals, you know, I've eaten by myself or whatever, and it does feel odd. But at the same time, like you know, I like I know I know I am like traveling by myself, or I will make small talk with like locals or something. But yeah, when it comes to moments like that, I mean, especially that moment of the movie, but I definitely have to re- revisit it because it's been, it's been a while. But yeah, it's just in, like you said, in good contrast to the rest of the scenes where he's having these great conversations or just even these memorable moments with Meg Ryan, and then he's just you know by himself. So 
Yeah, it's, uh, you know, my, <laughs> this is a weird segue, but my wife and I watch a lot of The Bachelor. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and every time there's a one-on-one date, uh, they, they have a meal together, but you never see them eating, um, you know, because yeah. they don't want to show that part of it. They just want to show the conversation. And it makes it seem like having a meal must be so it must be so difficult to have a conversation because you're chewing and whatnot. But, you know, some of the best conversations you'll ever have is over a meal. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely is odd. Like, I could feel like it's for two reasons. It's like on a date and you're trying to like they're, you know, trying to sell like that these like will they won't the these uh quote unquote you know like gorgeous people and yeah Yeah. some people can look maybe like not exactly appealing while eating or something like that but yeah it does it feels very disingenuine and then also then from like a technical standpoint i'm sure um myself having been on a uh you know i was Oh yeah, the, of course yeah, you would I know. Was on the Steve Harvey show uh, <laughs> on, a, on, yeah. on a on a date, and the way they edited it was very out of order. So I feel like, from a standpoint of continuity of the food and where it is, you would automatically realize, like, oh, that reaction was from earlier, and that wasn't her reaction to that. You know, that's true. That's true. In in things like this, where it's highly highly edited, uh, they don't want anything like the progress of a meal to throw people off. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of men eating alone, I think we should go to the <laughs> other, this other scene, yes. which is from Cobra Sylvester Stallone's film. And uh, it's him. Now he doesn't say much. I don't think he says anything at all. There's just kind of, then he's listening to uh, what the, the news and they're talking about the guy that he's then going after in the film yes but it's a you said it was a food scene that stood out to you because of what he does which is cuts the pizza with scissors yes yes i mean you you asked me to uh to think about some of my favorite movies and if they were uh food centric or had food scenes in them and and cobra you know when it comes to 80s B-movie schlockfest. This is made by uh, Canon Films, which is, they were the kings of 80s schlock. And um, Cobra, uh, Marion Cobretti, Detective Marion Cobretti, (laughs) uh, a.k.a. Cobra, is the the prototypical loose cannon cop who doesn't play by the rules. Mm -hmm. And you know, he he comes home one night after a, a long day of blowing punks away and, you know, getting into fistfights and getting yelled at by his captain. And he sits down, he cleans his gun, and he takes a slice of pizza and cuts it up with scissors. And it's whenever people talk about Cobra, they will always bring up this scene. And it, 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 it made me think, like, is this, you know, Sylvester Stallone is Italian. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I know there are certain ways to eat food. Uh, you know, I know that scissors are used in, in cooking from time to time. Yes, I-, I, will, I will say that as far as what I know, like, 
scissors or a culture that uses scissors a decent amount is Korean food. Mm -hmm. So if this was like the fifth element where (laughs) they're showing, you know, what maybe the future will look like and we adapt one another's cultures, I'd be like, oh, that's like showing that Korean food becomes even more popular or something like that. Yeah. But as far as my knowledge when it comes to Italian cuisine or specifically pizza, I never heard of scissors okay. being used. I mean, I you guess, were yeah, you were know. you were my last hope at getting any sort of context into this. So, uh, you know, well, really... he's a cop that doesn't play by the rules, so why is he going to play by the rules when it comes to his pizza? <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> That... He might as well should have taken his gun out and like sliced it by shooting a couple bullets across. <laughs> <or something>. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I, I I think that we've solved that mystery. Exactly, um, the deep mystery of the cobra. I mean, the only way that that I'll ever be able to get more information is if I speak to Sylvester Stallone himself, uh, and that's pretty unlikely. So. You know what? I will definitely, but I'll post a picture or maybe like a gift from this scene and I'll tag him in it on like Instagram and maybe we'll get an answer. Maybe oh my Sly, God. Oh Sly, my God. listen to us. That would make my life. We would, we want to know, Sly. <laughs> <laughs> well, last but not least, got our little round of gut instincts. So just questions that, uh, whatever come to mind first when I ask them. Sure. Favorite fast food. Wendy's, Wendy's burgers and uh, and their uh, chicken nuggets are better than any other chicken nuggets I've ever wow. had. Wow! Yeah, but their burgers a, yeah. are as far as fast food burgers, you can't go wrong with Wendy's. Yeah, the square burgers and supposedly their meat's never frozen or anything yeah. like that, right? That's their big claim to it all oh and didn't you say that uh after you watched this movie you, you messaged me and said you went out and had one of the better burgers oh my god had? yes indeed i you know i i don't eat a lot of hamburgers um mm-hmm. but after i saw this movie particularly the opening scene where they kind of fetishize hamburgers um mm-hmm. i i went out to a a local restaurant in Peeksco called whiskey river and they're famous for their menu, and okay. they're they're pretty famous for their burger. Uh, it's called the Up the River Burger, and I brought it home, and it was one of the goddamn best hamburgers I've ever had in my life. And I don't know if that was the influence of Hamburger the movie, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, best influence that movie could ever have on yeah, anybody. <laughs> if if having just watched that movie kind of made the burger taste better, but um, so it's a double burger, two patties. Mm-hmm. It's got candied bacon, you know, the Ooh, kind of, yeah. the kind of thick strips, yeah. you know, normally when you get bacon on a burger, it's like kind of, the bacon's kind of crunchy. Yeah. I've never liked crunchy bacon. I like chewy bacon, but this is the kind of bacon, the thick cut bacon that just melts in your mouth. Um, beer cheese, fri- fried shallots. Um, no, I love onions on anything. I, I would eat an onion like an apple if I could, um, uh, sriracha aioli. Mm -hmm. Um, now I know sriracha was like a, like a trendy thing. Like two years ago, everything was made with sriracha, but I don't care. I love it. 
Um, yeah, no, it, I like the contrast of the candied bacon and yeah, the, it added yeah. it added a, a little spice, um, you know, and um, and that's it. And it was it was great. It was just so and you know the burger was like the perfect medium rare, um, served yeah, with the... fresh cut salt and pepper fries. Ooh. It was it was just the most wonderful thing. I I posted a picture on my Instagram. I'm not. I'm not the kind of person that posts uh, pictures of everything they eat on my Instagram, but mm-hmm. this was worth it. It was. It got. It gets your endorsement. Yeah. It was. Uh, I almost felt bad eating it because it just looked so perfect. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it sounds like one of those meals. Also, it's like sad when there's like the last bite. Like you want to have it, but at the same time, you're like, oh, it's over now. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I. I mean, that's. The the thing about fast food is that it's it's so like you just wolf it down, yeah. um, and you don't really stop to uh, savor it because why would you? Um, it's so crammed full of of flavor and salt and and <laughs> you know various powders um, that you just want to keep shoving it in your mouth. And when you get something like that, like this burger, you want to just chew every bite slowly, and, and, yeah. and you know, and and it kind of, you know, it stops you from, you know, they they say that when you when you cook for yourself, you end up losing weight because you know how much time you put into it, so you're mm-hmm. not gonna just sit down and wolf it down. You're gonna you're gonna make something that you're you're gonna sit and savor, um, yeah. you know. So it was. I'm not used to eating a hamburger that I can sit and savor. I'm used to eating a hamburger that I fucking throw down my <laughs> coat coat and ketchup and mayonnaise and throw it down my gullet. But uh, but yeah, it was great. And uh, <laughs> you know, I probably wouldn't have gone out and gotten it if. I hadn't uh, been tasked with watching Hamburger the Motion Pictures, so it was well, a we, blessing in many ways. When we do our three movie watch, maybe that'll be the burger that oh, we have. Oh. And then I don't know how well they'll hold up on the road, but maybe I'll have to stop at Rut's Hut and bring up some Rut's Hut. Oh my god! Well, we this is this is definitely a thing that's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we have we have all summer to plan it, but it absolutely will happen. Yes. Uh, next question. Go-to alcoholic beverage. Uh, my go-to alcoholic beverage would probably be uh, a mid-level whiskey uh, mm. with Coke. Um, Evan Williams, that's my, my go-to. It's, it, it, it's the one that doesn't come in a plastic jug, but it, <laughs> it also doesn't cost $50 a bottle. Gotcha. Um, right there in the middle. Um, yeah, whiskey, whiskey and Coke is always my, my jam. Uh, unless I'm drinking like a high end whiskey, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go to a, a fancy, uh, whiskey bar and ask them to mix, you know, <laughs> one, one of their top shelf whiskeys with fucking Coca-Cola. Um, yeah. but but yeah, Coke, Coke and whiskey go to whiskey uh, and Coke. Yeah, yeah, whiskey and Coke. Yeah. Favorite childhood snack. 
Oh my goodness, that is a very good question. I would have to say Fritos. Um, oh, nice. Fritos corn, corn chips, chips man. Yeah. I could fucking pack away a bag of Fritos in record time while I was <laughs> sitting on the carpet watching Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. And those are just always, I mean, obviously the bags, like everything else, have changed, but just like that red and yellow always oh, yeah. stood out to me, you know? Absolutely. And I, I went to, um, I hadn't had Fritos. Like, Fritos was something that was specifically for, you know, I stopped eating them when I was like 10. Uh-huh. And I, I went to a bar uh, in Williamsburg back in the day that had Frito pie. Ooh, uh, yeah. I've and basically it was, they had two crock pots, one full of chili, one full of cheese. And they would put a, it was a, you'd get a little paper bowl. They'd put a scoop of chili. They'd put a scoop of Fritos and they'd put a scoop of cheese on top and you'd just mix it around. And it was the greatest thing with a cold beer. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. And Fritos also, as far as chips go. I feel like they've the taste has stayed the same. You know, like Doritos definitely like of nacho cheese ones and Cool Ranch. Like they've gotten cheesier and like just packed on with this. You know, yeah. Well, the, I mean, especially is. as far as varieties go, I mean, Doritos is is trying to catch up with Oreos as far as the yeah. uh, the variations of the oh the uh, variations of Doritos and Lay's and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Fritos are a classic. Sweet or savory? Savory, definitely. I, I give me gravy, give me potatoes, give me you know. <laughs> I would Favorite? rather eat a pot pie than a fruit pie any day. Ooh, all right. There we go. I like that. I love a good pot pie. Favorite food city? Well, I mean, I I really haven't traveled a lot, mm-hmm. um, but uh, Peekskill, New York. <laughs> I, I have you can't, to you, yeah, no, you can't no, argue but with I mean, the whiskey I, river <laughs> I have to say that my like my tastes have been expanded in in Peekskill New York more than it certainly more than it has in New York City because uh, in New York we would get the same thing we'd get pizza we'd get Chinese food um, you know we we never really went out like after a while I lived there for 10 years and mm-hmm. so for the first couple of years, you'd go to the fancy places. But also, I was fucking flat broke for 10 years. Just yeah, like yeah. absolutely dirt poor for 10 years. I couldn't go anywhere fancy. Like, one of the reasons I left New York was it's like, I can't afford to do anything in New York. So why, why am why, I living yeah, here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and now that I'm here... Um, there are a lot of great options. There's a Caribbean restaurant that has the, the greatest meat pies. There's a Mexican place that makes these wonderful chimichangas. Whiskey River, of course, makes these great burgers. We live right above a, an amazing um, brick oven pizza joint. Um, mm-hmm. You know, places up here you've got to do something interesting to, to stand out because there's so many hospitality businesses popping up around here and everybody, and, and there's so many fresh ingredients because you have all these farms, all these, you know, breweries, distilleries, you, you've got all this stuff that's made locally up here. 
Um, you know, so goddamn Peekskill, New York. Favorite cuisine. Ooh, favorite cuisine. Um, you know, that brings up something interesting. I'm one of those people that can't eat cilantro. And, okay. Uh, like, to me, cilantro tastes like soap, and a lot of people are like that. Yeah, and yeah. I read somewhere that it's like a brain synapse thing. Uh, like, the part of your brain that, that processes cilantro is right next to the part of your brain that processes the taste of soap. And, huh. like, in some people, the wires are crossed. Um, you know, it's like 2% of the population. And I hate it because my two favorite types of cuisine are Mexican and Indian. Oh, and yeah. They both use tons of cilantro in their food. Um, you know, and I feel like such an asshole when I go out to a Mexican or an Indian place and I have to ask, like, does your does your pico de gallo have cilantro in it? Could you please put that down? <laughs> You know, could you please yeah. keep the cilantro off of my naan? Um, <laughs> you know, I don't. I want to experience the food the way it was meant to be experienced, but I, I just can't, and uh, that sucks. But, uh, you know, Mexican and Indian food are my favorites. I love spice. Um, mm -hmm. I like I like it hot, and uh, those are two cuisines where I can get that. Well, I think, I mean, there's people that just don't even like the taste of cilantro in general, but then I think it's becoming, people are becoming more aware of people that like have, you know, like that, that happens to the taste yeah. of soap and stuff like that. So I feel like hopefully it won't be as awkward of a thing to, you know, to ask or to request sure. at a restaurant. I feel, I feel like people are becoming more accommodating just even when it comes to obviously gluten allergies and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, of course. Guilty pleasure food. Ooh, guilty pleasure food. Um, I would have to say chocolate graham crackers. Um, Ooh, nice. I, my my wife and I we we've been trying to cut down on sweets, uh, but we always have a box of graham crackers around. Um, you know, for one, we get that kind of sweet urge. Um, it it's kind of makes us feel healthy to be eating graham crackers even though they're <laughs> you know it's better than eating oreos i guess yeah but yeah, yeah. but it kind of psychologically we feel better about eating graham crackers um and we were at the supermarket recently and we're used to them being out of you know uh cleaning spray or or paper towels but they mm -hmm. were completely wiped out of graham crackers um, except for one box of chocolate graham crackers. And I brought them home, and I fucking housed that box of chocolate <laughs> graham crackers. And my metabolism is not what it used to be, and I should not have done that, but <laughs> goddamn, they were good. And, you know, I find myself thinking, like, I want to go to the store and I want to buy a box of chocolate graham crackers uh, <laughs> right now. Um, but yeah, chocolate graham crackers. There, yeah. I love graham crackers. I love chocolate. Perfect combo. Yeah, so good. Yeah, no, my 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 guilty pleasure probably is like yeah anything chocolate covered, like chocolate covered espresso beans, chocolate covered like raisins, chocolate covered pretzels. Oh yeah, just I like mean, anything. I, 
fried fried Oreos are another one, but but you can only get those at Italian street fairs. So yeah, th- yeah, that or like down, down the shore or something on a boardwalk. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't cross paths with fried Oreos very often. <laughs> Favorite condiment. Favorite condiment, uh, hot sauce. Absolutely hot sauce. I, uh, you know, I make a lot of times for for lunch, I'll make a burrito. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always got to have hot sauce on hand. Um, you know, and I, I, I always try to mix it up and try to uh, experiment with different kinds of hot sauces. It's, it's a lot harder to find more exotic hot sauces at a suburban upstate New York supermarket than it was uh, yeah. back in New York City. Um, but I love hot sauce. I, I got to put it, I put it on everything. <laughs> What's the last thing you ate? Uh, the last thing I ate was a burrito. I <laughs> <laughs> I had a burrito for lunch. I, I actually, I love burritos and I just recently learned how to roll a burrito correctly. Nice. Um, and that, was uh, such a game changer um so i always have uh yellow rice on hand refried Mm -hmm. beans mexican cheese blend uh salsa uh, sour cream Mm -hmm. you know there's there's always got to be some of that in the house some some nice big flour tortillas because uh, it's a nice, quick thing you can make, and it's got all these amazing flavors. Oh yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. You know, my my wife's uh, a vegan, so I don't usually put meat in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't really need it. There's so much going on. Oh yeah, um, it has all those flavors, all the spices in it, so that's great. Yeah, I love a good burrito, and of course, slather in hot sauce. <laughs> what would be your last meal? Oh, you know what? I worked at a Domino's pizza uh-huh. um, in high school, and I ate so much Domino's pizza. And to this day, I will order a Domino's pizza, and there's something about it. You know, people talk about how Taco Bell is great, but it's not Mexican food. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Domino's is great, but it's not pizza. It's yeah, its, it's, own, it's a category, yeah. It's its own concoction. Um, but there's something about it. I mean, obviously it's some nefarious chemical, <laughs> you know, combination of MSG and salt and, you know, whatever. Um, but a Domino's pizza is just, sometimes it just hits the goddamn spot. And mm-hmm. when I die, I want a giant Domino's pizza, um, with, with pepperoni, uh, onions, jalapenos, and garlic on it. Nice. And maybe some cheesy bread, too. <laughs> For good measure. Yeah. It's your, la- it's your last meal. Get it. You do you. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> do you prefer to dine in or dine out? Um, I mean, it depends on the company. I, I love entertaining. I love having people over. I love bringing people together. Um, I love having guests over and having conversations over a dinner table. So mm. if there are, if there are good friends or new friends in town, um, I love, I love hosting and I love having a good meal. 
Um, but I also love going out. Uh, you know, if, if my wife and I are going to go out for a special occasion, uh, we used to go to this uh, pretty famous Indian restaurant on First Avenue in New York oh, City. Oh, the one with all the colorful lights? The one with all the colored lights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we used to love going out. Um, it was a pain in the ass because the nearest subway stop was like 10 blocks away. Um, but it was always great. So it depends on the company. Um, but really, I would say I would say hosting a dinner party is is one of my favorite things to do. So dining in. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Like, it depends on the company. Like, the larger amount of people, I most likely want to, like, be hosting it myself or be, you know, be at someone's house because then we won't get rushed and then we'll be able to, like – hang out a bit more and everyone will be able to have a conversation together and there won't be the noise of other people in the restaurant. But if it's, yeah, if it's just me and like one or two friends going out and just like catching up or going out on a date, like want to go out for the night. Yeah. Then it's nice like to go out and just be like taking care of, you know? Sure. Sure. Uh, spirit food. What, what food best embodies you and your personality? Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, I would I would have to say a burrito. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I it's it's um, I love I love taking lots of different elements mm-hmm. uh, and putting them all together and and making something cool out of it. And I I think you know I never really thought about this question, <laughs> but. Um, you know, it is my kind of favorite thing to make, but I, but I love the idea of of bringing lots of different elements together yeah. that might not normally uh, work together, and and creating something new, and and um, yeah. So I think I, that's even what you do with like by saying that you enjoy hosting, and I've been to you know like some of your get togethers and it's just, you are bringing, you know, people together that don't necessarily know one another, know one another uh, at all, but then everyone is part of a conversation, you know, throughout it all. So. Yes. That's that's my favorite thing. And that's, that's good that you learned how to wrap up a burrito properly. Nice (laughs) night. The the tuck and roll, the tuck tuck and roll. roll. I mean, Uh, you're going to the movies. What kind of snack are we having? Going to the movies. Well, uh, it depends on if it's the kind of theater that serves food or, uh, so you're talking like general concessions. Yeah. Your like basic a, movie okay. snacks. Yeah. Uh, snow caps, snow caps yeah. were my jam from day one. Yeah. I mean, I grew up going to the movies, the movies, movies in general were my life mm-hmm. from a very early age. And whenever I went, it was snow caps all the way. Um, yeah. snow caps were the best. I, I didn't like, you know, basically the only thing to drink at a movie theater is soda. And I don't really like combining chocolate and soda. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was pretty much just snow caps for me. Gotcha. Um, although M&Ms are a close second. And last but not least, a great lesson you've learned when it comes to food. Hmm. Uh, okay. A great lesson I've learned when it comes to food is don't use a fancy placemat. Uh, we we invested in some really beautiful vintage burlap placemats that go perfectly with the decor of our living room area. Um, 
but they were never meant to get food on. <laughs> they were just, <laughs> um, I am, I am the messiest eater. I eat like a, like a five-year-old. Like when, when I eat the, the radius, there's like a, like a six. There's a lot radius. of collateral damage. Oh, a lot of collateral damage for sure. Um, especially if there are sauces involved, um, you know, it's just, it's terrible. So, uh, the one thing I've learned, it was a pretty recent lesson, uh, is that, uh, you know, put, put the placemat away because the table's <laughs> a lot easier to clean up than a, pl- unless it's like a, a, one of those like old school vinyl places. Yeah. Vinyl ones. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Actually, I have one on my desk, and it's like a it's a Elvis one that's like an Elvis stamp. But I oh, use it. that's great! That's I great. I use it as like my mouse pad, kind of. But yeah, we love we love <laughs> like vintage stuff and like stuff from the seventies, and yeah, um, you know, a lot of these placemats are are cloth or or yeah. even burlap, and you know, if you want to wash them, you got to hand wash them in the sink. And it's like, what's the point? They're supposed to get food on them. Um, <laughs> That's I how mean, I feel. I, I, I like dish towels and I like finding ones like, I don't know. This is like something that I, I like buying dish towels with different designs on them. Yeah. And for a while, and for a while I was being like, Oh no, like those are, those are just like ones that you hang and you don't use. And then I just had this moment that I'm like, now nah, they're meant to be used. Like seeing like, maybe a, a red sauce stain on it is like, it's a, it's a, like a badge of honor of that towel. It's like, I've done sure, my duty, sure. you know, like, so, <laughs> well, at least you can, you can do it once and you can always flip it over, but then that's all. Yeah. You just get two, two tries on the placemats and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But. I mean, ours are gorgeous <laughs> though. I mean, I, I have to respect them. So yeah, exactly. Well, I don't okay. want them anywhere near me when I'm eating like a goddamn child. <laughs> So the great lesson, respect your placemats. Respect your placemats, indeed. <laughs> Larson, I can't thank you enough for coming on. This was oh awesome. Oh, my God. It was Just... an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad we finally got to chat. Yeah. No, this was uh, just fun talking food with you. What a ridiculous movie to discuss. <laughs> and I truly indeed. couldn't imagine anyone better indeed. talking with it. Um so please, right now, just tell anybody if they, you know, social media or anything you want to promote or anything like that. Yeah, sure. Um, I've I've got a, a podcast coming up. Hopefully, it'll be on the Cage Club Network. We'll see. Uh, it's about '90s uh, PC adventure games, not politically correct adventure games, but uh, <laughs> games played on computers in the uh, '80s and '90s. Um, it was a it was a very specific genre. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, they're, they're super awesome. And I'd love to have you on, uh, an episode if you're, if you're interested. Yeah, um, I can't say, I think the only game I ever played on a computer would be, oh God, it was like an educational one too. What was it? Treasure Mountain? Is that? That sounds was, right. That sounds right. I had, look, it was, I know it was like, but it was like educational, but I yeah, just, I never, yeah. I'm, this is even somebody growing up. I didn't even have a, like an N64 in their heyday. Like I oh, bought boy. and I bought an Xbox 360 a while after it was out. Like, but like maybe like late, later years of college, like 2007, eight, maybe like I got my first, and that was the first and only video game. But, uh, 
system that I've ever owned and never ever played on. So I'm not well versed in it, but it does sound like a cool podcast. So yeah, I would, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you if you think I, I could sure contribute, I could find one that incorporates. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. food in some way oh okay that'd be cool yeah there's exactly. actually there's actually a game that has a burger making um uh sequence uh, with, oh. a, with a conveyor belt where you have to build a hamburger as it goes by so what well, sounds like uh i'll <laughs> yeah. be put to the put to the test like russell was yeah but... absolutely uh you know brian rodriguez <laughs> was was on recently and he was saying that the only real computer game he ever played was carmen san diego um, oh, you know what? There we go. Then that's yeah, my other one yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, uh, that that is uh, going to be my podcast coming up. It's called PodQuest, um, and uh, and yeah, I'm I'm starting up an event planning business in Peekskill, New York. So if you're awesome. listening and you live in the Hudson Valley area and you're looking for an event planner, or you run a bar or restaurant, you're looking for an entertainment coordinator. Uh, look me up, Captain Good Times. Ah, uh, it lives on. The pseudonym, the moniker lives yes, on. Yes, yes. Older, that's the best. older yeah. and wiser, but still, <laughs> still Captain Good Times. C A P N Good Times. Awesome. Uh, uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. Absolutely. And uh, please, for the foodies out there, uh, if you can, we got a little catchphrase of there's more to cut. If you don't mind reminding the foodies out there that there's more to cut. Hey, all you foodies out there in foodie land, there's more to cut. (laughs) That was perfect. Thanks, man. (laughs) Yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy, and I feel like I'm loving you. Love you such a sweet thing, good night.